are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we're going to be starting off the pod, pod, the pod by talking some home run derby talk. Give some thoughts and takeaways from last night's main event. And then we are looking at some D-backs numbers after the first half. See where they stand among other major league teams, probably more specifically National League teams. And then we're going to wrap up the pod by looking at some scouting reports for D-backs players drafted on day two. Not day three, just day two players the D-backs took. So we got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about today. But first... As always, it's MLB draft season, and the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast is covering every future star of the MLB. Host Arm Layton brings you player interviews and farm system breakdowns every day. Subscribe to Locked On MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's jump right into the conversation, and let's discuss last night's home run derby because... I think last night's home run derby was a major success. I haven't looked at the ratings, but just the reaction I've seen on Twitter and social media, which is usually overblown, guys. Usually the there's an overreaction on social media. But from what I've seen, I think last night was a success. I think it was a really fun time. And I think you had a, a lot of good personalities. I think one of the biggest issues I've had with the home run derby, it just that kind of lagged a little bit. But now with these new rule changes, the game just feels a lot more quicker. It feels a little bit more timely. And I, I like the contestants they're getting as well. I think they're getting some in- interesting home run dudes into the event. I think sometimes they've struggled certain years to get some of those main power sluggers into the event but this year they did a great job i think they had a lot of interesting stories and narratives as well at trey Messini coming back from cancer uh i don't think matt olson really had an interesting story but trevor's story uh maybe the one one of the last times he can put on an event at chorus field uh joey gallo you know he could be traded at the deadline pete alonzo going back to back uh salvador perez a catcher in the all-star home run derby Juan Soto I I think he just is a is a walking uh not narrative but just a walking attraction by himself and then Shohei Otani I mean the biggest spectacle in baseball so really uh Matt Olson might have been the most uh the least interesting guy in the home run derby last night but still a great home run derby either way you saw Trey Mancini defeat Matt Alston in the first round 24-23 Trevor Story defeated Joey Gallo as well 20-19 then Pete Alonso cranked 35 home runs beat Salvador Perez those 35 home runs set the derby record broke Vlad Guerrero's junior record in 2019 then Juan Soto and Shohei Otani would double OT in the first round uh, a lot of people were sad to see Otani dip out 
They had Mancini defeat Trey uh, Trevor Story. 13-12. They had Alonzo beat Juan Soto, 16-15. Then Alonzo absolutely took over in the final round, beat Trey Mancini 23-22. He basically walked it off on the final six pitches, going home run, home run, home run, home run, home run, home run, back to back to back to back to back to back. Pete Alonzo, a beast. First time we've seen back-to-back derby winners since Cespedes, Ioannis Cespedes in 2013 and 2014. And just an interesting tidbit, Pete Alonian dollars from the Home Run Derby, that's more than his base salary this season. So I found that pretty interesting. Uh, just last night's overall event, which is super fun, Pete Alonzo was vibing up there at the plate. Of course, he didn't have a lot of rhythm, but you could tell he was vibing. He was happy out there. Uh, Trey Mancini, I didn't expect him to get to the finals, but I thought that was a cool story. Pete Alonso looking to go back-to-back in the Home Run Derby. Trey Mancini, after not being able to play last season because of cancer, already having a spectacular all-star caliber season uh, the first year back. He's definitely going to win Comeback Player of the Year. And he also made it to the finals in the Home Run Derby and put on a show. Like Pete Alonso had to do everything in his power to win that Home Run Derby last night. And... It was just a crazy battle between the two. We saw some really deep fly balls, deep bombs, deep dingers by last night's contestants. I mean, Trevor Story hit one 518 feet. It's a little bit later, about 20 minutes later, Juan Soto beat the record that Trevor Story just set 20 minutes earlier by going 520 feet on one of his dingers. I mean, these dudes were absolutely crushing it. I think Otani... I don't have the exact number on me, but I think he had five or six balls that went like 500 feet. It might have been four balls that went 500 feet last night. And I think he had the most deep home runs of any player last night. He, of course, didn't win, but uh, of balls that traveled the furthest distance, I think Otani hit the most over 500 feet last night. I mean, the dude is leading the league in home runs at the All-Star break, so it's not very surprising to see. I actually... At that I, I didn't bet on anything, but I did say on Twitter, if you guys go follow me, at CreatorThomas24 on my personal account or Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram, I did say, I did tweet out that Pete Alonzo was going to go back-to-back in last night's home run derby. That's exactly what happened. So I was glad to see my prediction came true because I do call myself the Oracle. I try to predict. And on tomorrow, we're going to have JT Shorter on, Janton Shorter the second on. And we're going to be doing second happens, talking about the All-Star game. We're going to be talking about the Home Run Derby. We got a whole lot to talk about on tomorrow's pod. But right now, we're talking about the Home Run Derby. And last night was a major success for baseball. Uh, you had stars from Otani to Pete Alonso to Juan Soto in the game. You had interesting stories, interesting narratives, and I think it was a great time. I think it was a great show, a great performance. These guys did not, uh, they they did not. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They lived up to expectations. I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, and and I was happy to see that because there's been a lot of talk about what's good for baseball in the last couple of days. And I think seeing Otani there, seeing Juan Soto there, seeing Pete Alonso there, a nice diversity across the board of stars in today's game. Trey Mancini there. I mean, there were so many great players last night. So many diverse players in last night's game from all over the diamond, all over the country, all over the world, if we're being honest. And so great job by Major League Baseball. 
The Home Run Derby was a great success. It brought in major eyeballs. And I think the Home Run Derby right now, maybe the best all-star event of any sport. It definitely gives the NBA a run for its money with the dunk contest and three-point contest. The dunk contest is very heavily dependent on who the contestants are. Three-point contest is always good. But right now, Home Run Derby, I think, is the best all-star showcase of any of the top sports we have here in America. Now, we'll discuss those D-backs numbers at the first half mark. It's not technically the first half, but we'll look at those numbers by the D-backs right now at the halfway point. But first, with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car will need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? And wait while the person behind the counter chooses the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Let's get back into it and let's discuss some D-backs numbers after the first half because we all know how bad the D-backs have been this season. Uh, it's not, you know, new news to anyone. I mean, the D-backs are the worst team in baseball, so I think it's only fair to start this part of the pot off by talking about their record. The D-backs are 26-66. and 66. They've won 28% of their games. They have a negative 150 run differential, worst in baseball, worst record in baseball, worst winning percentage in baseball, 32 and a half games back of the division leader, largest, uh, widest gap in baseball between the division leader and the last place team. D-backs, absolutely atrocious. The only positive thing about their record is they're better on the road than the Colorado Rockies. That's pretty much their only good thing about their record this season because the Rockies have been by far the worst team in baseball on the road and the D-backs are better than the Rockies in that department and they're actually better than the Orioles at home. So look at that. There's two teams the D-backs are better than at in specific areas, better than the Orioles when they're playing both at home and they're better than the Rockies when they're both playing on the road. So two big positives for the D-backs. But now we're going to get into some negatives because if you look at wins above average, which is basically war, uh, the D-backs position players are not doing good. The D-backs are dead last in wins above average. Some of these stats I did a couple weeks ago in the pod, but now that's halftime during the season. We're going to actually look at their numbers at the half. And so D-backs are, uh, D-backs are dead last in wins above average for their whole roster. Negative 16.8 wins above average is what this roster is giving you. That's uh, the worst I said, but second to worst, 
the Orioles at negative 11.5. So there's a pretty big gap between the second worst team and the last place team. The D-backs, I mean, all pitchers for the D-backs are considered the second worst in baseball at negative 10. But their starting pitchers are at just 25th in baseball. Negative 2.7 wins above average. Relief pitching is dead last. Negative 7.5 wins above average. And then if you just uh, if you just want to look at position players, all their position players are considered dead last as well. Negative 6.8 for all their position players. So worst position group in baseball, uh, second worst pitching in baseball, and that combination will give you the worst roster in baseball. But if you go by position by position, their catcher position is actually sixth in baseball for wins above average. Thank you, Carson Kelly. But first base, 24th at negative 1.2, catcher at 0.5. Second base is at 26 at negative 0.8. You have third base at 0.3, wins above average, at 15th in baseball. You got shortstop at negative 0.6 for 24th in baseball. You got your left fielder, negative 1.1 for 26 in baseball. You got your center fielder at negative 1.3, 27th in baseball. And then your right fielder at negative 1.2 for 27th in baseball as well. So all their outfielders combined, negative 3.6, dead last in baseball. So no matter what position group you look at, the D-backs are going to be one of the worst teams in that department. And as a team, from their position players, their strikeout percentage is actually not as bad as you might think. They're actually just a step above the league average. League average, not even a step above. League average is 23.8%. The D-back strikeout rate is 23.8%. 23.8%. So they strike out at a league average rate, and they pretty much walk at a league average rate as well. League average rate at walking is 8.9%. D-backs at 8.8%, so right in the smack dab middle there as well. But when you look at extra base percentage, League average is 7.7. D-backs is 7.4, which is around 20th in baseball. So they are definitely in the bottom third when you look at that category. But if we move now to some traditional batting numbers by the team, the D-backs in terms of batting average, they are 23rd in all of baseball with a 231 average. If you look at OPS, I just like to do OPS because it already combines that OBP and slugging for you. D-backs 27th in OPS, only 677. Absolutely awful when you look at home runs. The D-backs are still not at the top. They're actually second to last, 29th in home runs in all of baseball with 82. Pirates dead last and run scored. The D-backs are... Uh, 17th, I lost the first second. D-backs 17th in all of baseball and run scored at 381. So they're pretty much smack dab in the middle in that area. So D-backs offensive numbers, uh, not looking too good. How about their ERA as a team? Second to last in baseball, point uh 5.4 ERA, worst ERA in the National League, but only second worst to the Orioles in all of baseball. Home runs allowed. The D-backs are one of the worst teams in that department. They're one off the Orioles for the team or the major league lead with 135 the D-backs have compared to the Orioles, 136. Strikeouts, the D-backs are at 28th in baseball at 706. So their their pitching numbers, their batting numbers, neither one of them is going to be good. If you want to look at whip, D-backs 28th in all baseball and whip at 1.48. So 
Whip isn't working too well for the D-backs either. How often do they get a quality start from their pitching? Uh, The third worst in baseball. 22% of the time, the D-backs will get a quality start, which means six innings of at least three earned runs. D-backs only do that 22% of the time. Worst in all of baseball. If you want to look at some of their relief stats, if you look at save percentage, D-backs dead last in that. The Miami Marlins are second to last with 47% save percentage. The D-backs dead last at 35% save percentage. So the D-backs are never in position to save games, which is kind of disappointing. That's why they have the worst record in all baseball, because they are never in position to win games. Uh, If you look at the D-backs strikeout rate as a team uh, for their pitching, not batting, D-backs are dead last in strikeout rate. League average is 23.8%. That's the same rate that their position players strike out at, but their pitchers only strike out opposing batters at a rate of 19.8%, so not that great. Uh, When you look at the walk percentage, the D-backs are not awful at that. They're actually right around league average, which is 8.9%. That's league average. D-backs at 8.8%, so their league average for their pitchers, the amount of times, their percentage that they throw a walk or allow a walk, I guess, is the better way to say that so a lot of their numbers of course are not looking good we're just gonna wrap up real quick throwing a lot of numbers at you let's just look at some splits let's look at their clutch stats this season the d-backs with runners in scoring position are batting 228 with 679 ops 22 home runs and that's in 920 plate appearances 789 at bat so not too good of numbers so Those were just some numbers by the D-backs at the halfway point. I know I threw a lot of numbers at you guys, but I don't mind just listening to a pod if they're going to rattle off numbers for a few minutes. If I understand the context of the numbers, I think it's pretty interesting. So hopefully I put that into context for you guys. I mean, I was just rattling through a whole bunch of numbers that I thought uh, probably popped out to me. A lot of the big time traditional numbers and then some of the other numbers that you might not really think about, like a save percentage or how D-backs position groups are viewed amongst uh you know compared to other teams like wins above average how many more wins are d-backs players expected to contribute than other major league teams in their position groups and the consensus is the d-backs have the worst players at every position essentially not every position but pretty close to it overall they have the worst roster in baseball according to wins above average so definitely some disgusting numbers by the d-backs but let's Start to move on to a brighter note, and let's talk about day two of the MLB draft and all the guys that could eventually make it to the big leagues and actually be a part of a core that gets back to the playoffs for the D-back. And there's a couple guys I would bet on making it to the major leagues sooner rather than later, and there's no better place to place your bets than bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKEDON.
right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the pod and let's discuss some of those day two picks for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I just kind of want to go through their first five selections that they made on day two because those are the guys most likely to make a major impact. Again, it's baseball. Anything can happen. Guys can develop. I mean, it might be four seasons, five seasons, seven seasons before we see these guys on the big league level. Hoping not seven seasons, but sometimes it takes time. So you really don't know who's going to how players are going to project and how they're going to translate on the big league level. But let's mostly look. I think my voice cracked there a little bit. But let's mostly look at the first five selections of day two for the D-backs. And let's do a little scouting courtesy of AZ Snake Pit. Because according to this scouting report by AZ Snake Pit, I don't love their second round selection of Ryan Bliss. Shortstop from Auburn University. It sounds like... He's a shortstop right now, but it sounds like he's going to have to move to second base. One, because he just doesn't have a big stature. 5'9", 165. I mean, I got 20 pounds on the dude. And it doesn't sound like he has very good arm strength. Not enough arm strength to be a consistent shortstop and throw from that, uh, you know, deep shortstop position. So uh, we'll see what happens with Ryan Bliss if he does move to second base. And plus, the D-backs did take Jordan Lawler yesterday with their sixth overall pick so he is already an up the middle kind of guy so those two could be a tandem down the line but snake pit believes bliss is more of a bottom of the order hitter in a good lineup so for your second round selection to not really be a guy with a lot of power it uh, doesn't seem like he's really a speedster either not talking a lot about uh, you know, high contact rate, uh, not, you know, this pick is a little bit questionable. We're going to be talking with locked on locked on Auburn host tomorrow about this selection actually, but he, he's got some good things about him. He's got range, a quick release according to AZ snake pit. So he can be a good second baseman, but he seems more like a Nick Ahmed type of guy with not a very high ceiling, maybe a high floor, but unless I see some speed in the minor leagues or some high averages, a high contact rate, he's a guy I'm a little skeptical about right now. But I do like their next selection, their 67th overall pick, Adrian Del Castillo, catcher from University of Miami, because this guy was potentially in the conversation to go top 10, and he fell all the way to the D-backs at 67. He's a catcher that is offensive-minded, and he might not be there long-term because he has average arm strength and he needs to improve his footwork, but AZ Snake Pit does believe if he has to switch positions because he can't get it done defensively, he'll be fine playing first base, and I think first base is a very important defensive position, but it's not the most impossible position. As long as you're good at scooping up the ball, you can probably be an adequate first baseman. Uh, he had solid extra base numbers he had projectable he has projectable power as he gets bigger showed good patience at the plate uh in his uh freshman and sophomore year but his junior year he went down to the cape cod league and didn't have a great showing with the wood bats according to az snake pit so We'll see how he actually projects once he gets into the minor league level. He seemed like a guy as he entered the draft, had a lot of hype, or at least, you know, the last time the draft was around, had a lot of hype pre-draft and kind of had an okay junior year after a good first couple seasons uh, in college. But I think those are sometimes the best players to take. Those guys with upside who people might be overlooking because of one bad season after having a previously pretty good track record. So I'll definitely take uh, a Castillo. And we got Carson Kelly right now. 
but who knows? The D-backs don't like to play, uh, don't like to pay players. So if Carson Kelly comes around asking for 10 to 12 to 15 million a year because he's a 30 home run catcher, uh, the D-backs might start thinking about trading him and starting to get Adrian Del Castillo ready for the big leagues. And also, not like Dalton Varsho has really showed anything yet on the big league level either. So I, I don't have a problem taking another catcher there. The third round, we took Jacob Steinmetz, pitcher from Elevate Baseball Academy. And this one, I really liked, not because of his talent, but because of the story, to be honest. This is the highest Orthodox Jew pitcher taken. And if he makes it to the Major League level, he will be the only known practicing Orthodox Jew. And this guy takes it seriously. Like, when some people are Jewish and they might not practice or they practice in their own way. They, they might live by their own set of rules. But as an Orthodox Jew, this is someone who on Shabbat, which usually falls on Friday and Saturday nights, he does not take transportation to the game. He will walk to the game. So he's going to need some special accommodations, which could make it a, a little bit difficult for Steinmetz to make it to the major league level because it's not like the D-backs have great infrastructure in their minor league levels. I say that because it's not like we've seen great development from any of their uh, any of their players, you know, over the last couple of years that have come up from the minor league level. It's not like a lot of them have translated to the big league level in a big, you know, in a big time way. So, his development, Steinmetz's development could be Maybe a little bit delayed because of the lack of leadership in the D-backs minor league level. Or I don't even know. I don't know if I want to say the lack of leadership. But the wrong kind of leadership will be an issue for Steinmetz. So hopefully the D-backs are able to uh, get this guy to the big league level. Because I think that's a really phenomenal story. In the fourth round, the D-backs took another pitcher, Chad Patrick. This is someone who uh, is going to help the D-backs sign Lawler and Castillo into their signing pool. He is one of the best Division II pitchers statistically, the highest to be drafted out of Purdue University Northwest. So this is a guy who doesn't really have a single dominant pitch, 6'1", 205. He's probably going to be more of a bullpen guy. And if the D-backs do want to make him a bullpen guy, uh, AZ Snake Pit believes you can see him on the major league level sooner rather than later. And then in the fifth round, to wrap up this scouting report discussion, the D-backs to Caleb Roberts, catcher again out of North Carolina. He actually started as a right fielder, had a pretty solid junior season where he batted 270, 442 OBP, 476 uh, slugging. And he's just a really patient player at his at-bats. He had 10 home runs in 55 games, has a little bit of gap power, and because he's a converted outfielder, he has some good athleticism too. So this could be the guy when we think about Dalton Varsho theoretically, this could be the practical version of what Varsho was supposed to be. And Varsho still has time, but he hasn't shown a great amount of flashes on the major league level. So I'm not surprised to see the D-backs take two catchers in the first five rounds of the MLB draft. Now that wraps up today's pod. Come back tomorrow. We're talking to Locked On Auburn host about Ryan Bliss. We're talking to Janton Shorter the second about the MLB All-Star Game, about the Home Run Derby, second half prediction. So tomorrow's pod is going to be jam-packed as always as well. And remember, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Braskowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!